0: Out communion when you're preaching, especially if you have to, to take a bathroom break before you preach every Sunday. Yep, I've, that's on the pot, Apple Podcasts. If you want to check that out, the stones are for church. So before we get rolling today, I did want to point out we do have a newly married couple that's among us today. The coosters, hey, why don't, I wasn't playing this, but would y'all want to come forward and we can pray over you? Does that sound okay? Yeah? Okay. Let's do that, because that is incredibly exciting. Come on down. And then church, if we, I don't, we can all just, or whoever wants to, just huddle, huddle around, have one of the shepherds or someone pray over them, just let somebody else pray. Yeah, pray? Me? Okay. All right. It's way to go. Father, this is just um, incredibly exciting. What an exciting time. I remember what it was like to be freshly, newly married, and it's just, it's awesome, Lord. Um, thank you for letting us as a community participate um, in their lives, Uh, Lord. It's just, it's amazing, Lord. Um, Thank you for letting us be there to support the family, Brian and Jen and and Haley and Nathan, Lord, as as they are there with them, Lord. Father, we just bless their marriage um, with your presence, with your guidance, with your wisdom, um, with your leading, Father. I pray that, Father, whenever there's conflict or strife, Lord, that they would both go together to you Um, And, Lord, that they would work things out in the unity of your spirit, God. I pray that they would be a powerful couple for your kingdom, God, and that there would be many, many, many people, many, many, many lives that are touched through their marriage, through, Lord, what they are revealing to the world about who you are through their union with one another and their union with you. Lord, as a community, we ask that you would help us do everything we can to love and to support and to be an ear to or whatever needs to happen, um, Lord, so that this marriage thrives. And we love you so much. Thank you for letting us be a part of this. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Man, Matthew and Rachel getting married. That's so good. Had uh, had daddy doing the wedding, Mr. Brian. You did a good job, Brian. Pretty good group of Stones River folks that were there too, which I was really that was really great. Really great. Beautiful wedding, wonderful time, exciting stuff. Alright, y'all. There we go. Exodus out. It's over. It's over. <laughs> we're done. It's all th- have you guys enjoyed the journey? Yeah? It started... When did it start? Like, Right. What ha, what's happening over here? Was it particular? Now that we have multiple preachers, which preacher made it seem even longer? Don't answer that question. <laughs> oh, that is true. Two thirty. Dang it! Let's we'll just blame it on Greg. Um, Do we start this right after the New Year? Or was it, I can't remember. It's been so January, March, April, almost five months or something. I think maybe I'm wrong. Today we'll be in chapters thirty-seven through forty. So, wow, I'm I'm not gonna. We're gonna take kind of a step back and look at tabernacle and some things. But hey. This is exciting. Uh, I am excited that this is coming to a conclusion, though God's story isn't, and I get to be the one to wrap it up. How about that? Woohoo! Yeah, let's go. All right, so at this point in the story, John kind of led us into this. There's a whole lot of God telling the Israelites how to build a tabernacle, right? Like, hey... This is uh, how you're supposed to do the lampstand, and this is what even the priestly vestments look like and all this stuff, and this is, again, I know y'all's most favorite part of the Bible whenever we get here, and we're looking, but as we've seen, like, there's some really interesting and cool stuff that's being revealed, as John mentioned last week, the artistry in the folks that were making the carvings and the cherubim and all these things, and it's so beautiful. And as we've gone through Exodus, we might get here and go, why do you continue to share this? You've already talked about this a little earlier. You've talked about it again, and you're going over multiple chapters to get into the depths of this tabernacle and the priests and all these things. Let's just move on with the story. But I believe the reason that they don't move that quickly through, because this was so vitally important to the people of Israel. So incredibly important. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, The title of the sermon is, That I May Dwell Among Them, which as we've gone through Exodus and we've seen God rescue a people who have been a slave for 400 years, we've seen him defeat the empire of the day, we've seen him throw horse and rider into sea, we've seen the firstborn of Egypt all die as God brings his justice and rescues his people, we've seen a people who have murmured and complained, and God's forgiven and been very patient We've seen a people who have literally bowed down to an idol. Like if we don't think that God's grace isn't big. Literally bow down and worship this idol and God's still saying, we can do this covenant thing. I'll be with you. I'll forgive you. The incredible mercy and grace of God is one thing that shines. There's so many parts of God, God's character that shine throughout this whole thing here in Exodus. But one of the things that continually stands out to me is the fact that as God is bringing them into a promised land, a land where they can show all the nations of the world what it means to live under the rulership of God, show all the nations, this is their calling to, like, to show them what it means to walk with God, what's God's character, what does it look like, all these things, this is their great calling. As they're doing this, God says, even on the journey, y'all, I want to be with you. He says, I want to dwell among them. And if you think about like the ancient Near Eastern gods, like, man, you see gods generally that are wanting things from humanity, right? Like we are their servants. You see a God here that's literally saying, and I don't know if I can get kind of the weight of it, like I want to be with my people. I want to dwell among them. I want to be with them. And this is the redemption of what was lost at the garden beginning to take place as God comes to dwell among his people. We are going to go from Genesis to Revelation today and talk about tabernacle, temple, and God's presence. And I promise this is going to be like 30 minutes, okay? Probably. When I, when I say Genesis to Revelation, everyone's like, uh-oh, geez, that's a lot, that's a lot. Um, so it's going to be rapid, but we're going to talk about, yes, temple, tabernacle, and that. So let's go to the next slide, turn off the lights, if you don't mind, because the Bible Project does an incredible job of articulating with illustration often what I'm trying to say, and this is going to talk about, can you turn the lights off, Jonah, or dim them? This is going to talk about temple, which, this is the tabernacle which became the permanent temple where God's presence dwelt, and Eden, and future. Right, thank you fellas, you can turn the lights back on, I thought that was a very good video, I could nitpick a few things, but I'm not going to, uh, but overall it was really good, I thought it was a really good <coughs> explanation. Um, so why do I start with this? You can go to the next slide. I know it's going to do that, just press this slide over button, and the, there we go, thanks, cool. Um, why go here? Because I think that this is going to help us understand the importance of where we're at in the Exodus story. And also, there's some other lights that can come back on too, I think. Um, Unless we just want to be a little bit bit in this, yeah, a little ambiance here. Um, The place that we're in in the story of Exodus, but also where Exodus fits in the grand story of what God is accomplishing and what God is doing. As the Bible Project video talked about, I'm a believer that Ex- i mean that sorry that genesis whenever god creates the heavens and the earth this is a type of temple a place where god's presence dwelt and as they talked about you can go to the next slide if you want i'm not going to go through all of this in fact that's probably way too many words uh, gk bill has a book temple and the church's mission or something and he actually goes over like all his nine reasons why he believes it was a temple i'm not here to really argue that um too much, but to say that that's my conviction and it has to do with the flowers and the trees and all the things that you see that that was that were in the temple, the menorah, the tree of life, um, the place that it was God's presence, the place where there were you know three parts to the temple and three parts to um, Eden, the garden and the tree of life and a lot of different things about Eden facing east and the temple facing east and all those things. We know at minimal that in the temple, it was pointing back to this garden experience, this play, this idea that God desires to dwell among us, that God desires to be with us, that when he created everything, he wasn't going to go sit and kind of do his own thing while we served him. When he created everything, he wanted humanity to participate with him and actually to rule with him. What does it say? Fill the earth, subdue it. Like this is what God's plan was for us. And yet, you have the rebellion, and funny thing is, what happens after the rebellion, what does God put to guard the tree of life in the way to the garden? To cherubim, which is literally what is on top, as John showed us last week, of the Ark of the Covenant that guards the presence of God within the temple. I don't know if it's hard for me to like articulate like the depths of how important and how amazing it is that God desires to be with us. Like I, I know that that sounds... It just sounds, you know whenever you just say words and they're just, oh, that's just, the God of the cosmos, the one who created all this that we're looking at, he desires to walk with us and to talk with us and to dwell among us. And next slide. And what we see as the story progresses from Genesis, you see people like Noah, you see Abraham and Sarah, and you see Joseph, and you see these folks that God is working through and that God has conversations with and talks to and does different things. But it's not until this moment in Exodus that we see God beginning to bring healing and redemption back from that complete brokenness of relationship, of God dwelling with humanity. We see him popping up here and there. Now we see God saying, I want to be within the people of God. I'm having you build this tabernacle so that wherever you go, this, is, this would be picked up, right? And this would be moved. Wherever you go, I desire to be with you. And it was in this place, you had the outer courts and you had the holy place. You have the holy of holies, which is where that Ark of the Covenant is, was. And you see like even the story that you can, um, story, the movie I mean, that we saw, that it's believed that that place is really the place where our realm and God's realm like comes together. Like, intersects and intertwines right there in the Holy of Holies. That this is where God's dwelling place and his residence takes up. And the reason that that's, that's so important um, because I'm going to read this actually. I'm going to read Exodus 40. Um, let's start with 33 real quick. This is after he, <clears throat> they set up this tabernacle, they've made all the pieces and parts and they've spent their time pouring sweat and <laughs> over this place and being obedient to God. It says in verse 33, he set up the court in the tabernacle and the altar and put up the screen at the gate of the court. So Moses finished the work. And I love this. So what happens? It says, then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled upon it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Then it goes on to talk about what would happen when the cloud was taken up. But what we see here is as this has been constructed and built, we see a glimpse into the weightiness of God's glory. Like, we see that as this is being built, God's glory comes in such a way that Moses can't even enter. Can you imagine that? I'm, I'm trying to fathom the depths of God and the weightiness of his glory this whole week. I'm just thinking about it and meditating. i go, going, I can't. I don't understand this idea that God comes into the Holy of Holies and literally the God of everything, God's realm and all our realm, come together in this beautiful place. And we see these things taking place where Moses can't even enter because it says that the glory had filled the temple and there's this cloud that was over it. If you go to the next slide we end up seeing Solomon building a temple for God and this was a permanent structure because guess what? The people of Israel get into the land of promise and instead of having this tent, the tabernacle that they tear down and stand up, all these things, we see that they have this permanent structure that has a ton of similarities to the tabernacle, the way it's designed and everything. But we see whenever Solomon dedicates it, we see another thing that almost very similar to what takes place in the tabernacle it says when when solomon dedicates the temple it says that when the trumpeters and singers and other musical instruments come together and they were singing in unison and praise to the Lord, for He is good; for His steadfast love endures forever. So after this is this is being dedicated the temple, and the, you hear, and I think trumpets is actually important for some stuff I'll talk about here in in the future. But you hear the trumpet blast, and it mentions other musical instruments, and it says the voices were together, and they're singing, and they're singing about God's steadfast love. It says that the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud, so that the priest couldn't stand to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. Like there was such a weightiness again of God's glory when God's people come together in unison together and walk in obedience to him and then he comes down and and he just comes into the holy of holies and it's so powerful that could you imagine being there and there's ministers that can't stand like there is such a weight of God's glory it's just not happening right now man God desires to come and dwell it's also why there's so many rules around the presence, especially the Holy of Holies, because we're talking about God of the cosmos, right? Like we're talking about, hey, this is the Holy of Holies. Anyone can't just willy-nilly go and go into, into the Holy of Holies. Like there had to be rules and stuff. It wasn't that God was, <clears throat> I'm going to smack them down. It's like he is a holy God. Like this is big time. I hope, I hope this is building up towards the beauty of what we have now and stuff as we get, move forward but this was such a such a such a wild place one person once a year could go in there in this place where god dwelt among the people so incredible next slide we see this progression this redeeming idea of god dwelling among the people we see him bringing a, that bringing it about in part in the tabernacle bringing it in the temple where god comes and uh, that people of god come into the promised land and god's dwelling among the people. And then we open up the book of John. I love the first chapter of John. Like I just sit back and I think I think he had such I'd had time to just mull over like what does this mean? And I just assume John was a little bit of a, a different bird. Like just the way he writes and thinks. I lo- I think I would want to have a conversation with him almost more than anybody because I don't know, maybe I wouldn't quite be on his level, though. <laughs> he might say something like, yeah, that's cool. You know, whenever you say something, maybe you really don't know what they're talking about because it's a little over your head. I'm sure there might be some of those moments. Really, yeah, I'd like to know about, yeah, anyways. But he opens up this, his, his letter, this gospel, and one of the things that he makes mention of, which is so powerful, is it says that this is talking about Messiah. This is talking about God's chosen, and it says that he came and he dwelt among us. And that word in the Greek is tabernacle or make a tent or tent. And I'm, I'm personally convinced that this is pointing to the fact that the presence of God has come to dwell among us in Messiah, and the God's presence is tabernacling now among us in, in Messiah, that there's this incredible progression and I think through, like, his life, and I recognize, I don't know if I've really thought about this, God is incredibly relational. Like, when he calls his disciples, he just uses, like, that we see recorded, right? He just says, follow me. Like, he doesn't have this set of rules that they have to do at the moment or something that they have to agree to. He just says, come be with me. That was a serious call to lay down the nets and all these things, but he, that was his way of discipling was come and be with me. I'm blown away by the way that Jesus interacts with the disciples, the way when he resurrects he just, they make breakfast and have breakfast together. Like, I, he just, it just really blows me away, but it, re, it just is hitting me how much God desires relationship with us and how relational he is. I was um, going to a friend's house this week and just come home from Bristol on a Friday afternoon, you know, that's always fun, right? Drive from Bristol and I get home and I'm about to leave. And um, two of my kids don't want to go. You know, you know how that goes, right? I don't think I have the energy to really do much, but that's okay if they don't. But I remember having a conversation, and I said, "Hey, dude, I'm not going to make you go. I don't. It's fine. You can do whatever you want." So why don't you want to go? And he is he up there? Sorry if he doesn't. It doesn't matter. Um, He's. I don't want to play video games. I'm like, that's fine. He's like, but I'm with my friends right now, and I'm like, there's some cool truth to that, like. I don't want to be the old head that doesn't recognize there is something that's imp- that kids are on games talking to each other. Like, I mean, we call people on the phone and that's how we have some relationship, right? So I don't want to be like that. But there's nothing like being face to face with people. I don't care who you are. Like, there's nothing like sitting down, having a meal, having a conversation, just hanging out with people, laughing, doing these things. And I said, dude, um, I'm not going to make you come, but just think about this. One day, I know you do love talking about your kids. I was like, one day you'll be on your deathbed. <laughs> Carefully, I'll be long gone by then. And, I know we all say this, I don't think you're going to be worried about how many video games you played or went, dude, man, if I could have just gotten one more game of Valorant in, it would have, I, that, my life would be complete right now. But that sent me down this path of even considering God's incredible creation. How many of y'all have gone to, like, the Grand Canyon or something and just been at awe? like, I love his creation. Love it. I think it's amazing. I want to see it all. Like as, Before I die, I want to see as much as I possibly can. Even though I care so much about that, I want to see as much of that as I can, I know that I could be sitting down and knowing that my time's about to go, and I'm probably, even though it's gorgeous, not really thinking about, man, I miss that. I know what I'm thinking about, the people. I know that I'm thinking about my wife, my kids, my friends, my family, I'm thinking to myself, man, if I could just have one more dinner with my dad, you know, or I know that we think about these things for people who have passed away. I wouldn't have been on my phone. I wouldn't do this thing. And that just, it really hit me as I meditated on that, that this is because this is how God is. Like, God is deeply relational, and he has put that inside of us. It's why he has desired to come and to dwell among us. It's why he came in Messiah to be with us. And it's why at the end of the game, we're going to get there in a second, he is here and the whole earth is his tabernacle and he is with mankind and he dwells with us. Relationship is hugely important to him. Next slide. Don't know if Greg meant to do this, but we are ending Exodus on Pentecost. This is Pentecost Sunday, by the way. Shavuot was this week, festival, Feast of Weeks, which the Jewish people um, celebrate the giving of the Torah. And, of course, God in his infinite wisdom comes and writes his law on the hearts of followers in giving his spirit. But see, what we see is this progression from tabernacle to temple to Messiah to after Messiah's death and his resurrection and his ascension and is sitting on the right, at the right hand of his majesty on high, now we see God taking the idea of this place where heaven and earth meet and God's presence dwells and actually allowing that to go out to all of God's people. Starting in Jerusalem and spreading to all kinds of people. Didn't matter if you were Jew or Gentile, male or female, slave or free. It didn't matter. God was coming to those who would yield to him to his people of God, those who wanted to be part of his kingdom. He was coming to tabernacle in us, us, plural. And I don't know what to do with that. Like, I've been been trying to do something with that this week, with the weightiness of the place where, through the Spirit, heaven and earth come together is in us, and therefore, when people interact with us, we—they're interacting with the place where God's presence dwells. <clears throat> I had this like really annoying Airbnb experience. I get see this is one good thing about Airbnb is that I get to use it as sermon illustrations sometimes. Remember the leaf guy, you know? And so I had another one yesterday, and someone just really gave, left me a bad review, which it was crazy because my cleaners had messaged me last Sunday and said, these people trashed your place. So not only do they make my place horrible, they left me this really bad review. And someone else left a not a great one. And then it's like, your account could be suspended. I'm like, oh my gosh, how much money is, I can't do that. And so like that's that's what was kind of making me think this morning. Greg asked me how I was doing. I'm like, oh, I'm so sick of this. I'm a, I just want to sell this place. Anyway. Um, But as I'm like, I have to chat back and forth with this person. Because they broke a lamp, they trashed my place, the cleaners are charging me more, and I'm going to try to get my money for it. Uh, Especially since they gave me such a bad review. I'm like, ugh. But as I'm going through that, I continue to look back and think about temple and presence and think about her interaction is an interaction with the place where God's presence dwells now. And when I want to be super snarky or just like, Like, I'm writing my response as thoughtfully as I can, apologetically, but yet with truth, with grace and truth, and I recognize that if I am aware, and I am intentionally aware and make it my practice and discipline to recognize that we are the place where God's presence dwells, that affects every conversation and every place that I am. And it actually gave me a little peace as I saw that, and I went, well, this is an opportunity, Instead of, I'm so angry, woe is me. This is an opportunity to speak truth and grace into a situation that's not great. This person was not happy. Like, they wrote me not very happily. And instead of just coming back and backbiting them and fighting with them, and like, I really want to see what this, I really want to build that discipline in my life. Because I have times where I do it more than others, but to really live in that reality of we as God's people are the place where he is tabernacled, where his presence dwells. Man, he's just, it's so good. He's so good. Let's uh, go to the next slide. And that's not the end of the story. I thought this was appropriate to show, and I'll have a few conversations about this, especially it being Pentecost. And since we have read about a lot of the feasts here in Exodus that God has been, we've seen them lived out. (laughs) We've seen them commanded. And we actually saw in Exodus that Nisan, which is on the far right, is the first of the year. We had a quick conversation about that. It wasn't a coincidence that Jesus' Passion Week is during Passover, right? Like, we know that, I think, right? <clears throat> if we think, oh, the Old Testament festivals aren't that important, I actually think this is God's cosmic clock, honestly. but I can, We don't have to go into super details about that, but... It was during Passover that we look back to Exodus and we saw how God had this victory over the empire, how God passed over because of the blood. Israel's firstborn, but exod- Exodus's, the Egyptians' firstborn, they all died. That was in the backdrop of Messiah being the Passover lamb. It was in the backdrop of this amazing, amazing, amazing. I say amazing week, but I mean, I don't know. That might not be the best use of the words. <laughs> I don't know how to express the beauty and the how horrible and horrifying it was and incredible it was. And uh, there's a lot of words that I could use, but that was the backdrop. And we also see that during that time, um, these are all seven feasts, by the way, that are the biblical feasts that are commanded by God. That right in that same month, we're talking about Passover and unleavened bread, which is what have we learned from Exodus, like. Why was there unleavened bread? Why did God tell them to eat unleavened bread? Because they were going to be rescued so quickly. They were going to have to go. There's time to go. Let's go. It's not a coincidence that Jesus and Messiah dies and resurrects during this time. It's not a coincidence that he resurrects during the time of first fruits whenever the scriptures say he's the first fruits from the dead. He is the first fruits of new creation. Like this whole thing beautifully takes place. And then obviously it's not, coincidence in my opinion by any stretch that 50 days later Pentecost is when God makes temple all those who are following him and his spirit comes and fills them and now we become God's dwelling place I don't think that's the end of the story because the next feast is quite interesting it's the feast of trumpets we see um, I mentioned trumpets being the sound that that was played when God's presence filled the temple, but also we see Paul using language when he's talking about the coming of Messiah, God, Jesus coming back and return again. What is one of the phrases that he uses at the sound of the last trumpet? Uh, there's other places that talk about the trumpet blast as Jesus returns as King, uh, the, s- the sound of you know King coming to take his place, to take his throne. The trumpet sounds, the one who made atonement for us descends, and the very final festival is the Feast of Tabernacles. This is how Revelation ends, with God's presence coming to Tabernacle. This is God's grand plan, his redemption of what took place and Eden, and the rebellion, and all those things, and we see the end of the story going back, and God's temple becoming all of creation in the new heavens and the new earth. And I'm just going to end today by reading uh, Revelation 21, part of it. Um, I'm just going to start with the first verse. You can go to the last slide if you want. God's coming to tabernacle among us in fullness. Uh, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, I love this, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more, for the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated at the throne said, See, I am making all things new. And he said, Write this, for these words are, are trustworthy and true. Then goes on to say, it's done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I love the lines that say, see, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. The story ends at the beginning, but maybe even more powerful with him tabernacling among the entire world creation with a with throngs of people from every tribe and language and people and nation being able to be with the one who desires to dwell among us. Let's pray. Father, um I feel most uh, a ton during this sermon that I just don't have adequate words to express how beautiful it is that you desire to be with us, that your holy, glorious, incredible presence now infills us. And I don't have words, or I don't know if my mind can wrap around what Jesus accomplished so that we could actually have this. As our great high priest Jesus, we love you. Sometimes I just have to say thank you. I I don't know what else to say. I pray, Father, that as we leave here today, that we would meditate and mull over and think through what it means in this between time of where um, man rebe- rebels and you come in your fullness. In this time where we have the honor of being your temple, where we have the honor of being the place where your presence dwells, that we would live that out beautifully, creatively, creatively, wonderfully in our schools and among our families uh, at the workplaces or oh, we really want to embody that i pray that you would continually give us revelation for what it means and continue to help us to live that out so that those who don't know you that we can be the light that that you desired Israel to be as you are pulling them out of Egypt, that we can be a light to the nations, that we can be a light to all the peoples of the earth. Because you're just so incredible. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.